I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On today's show, I catch up with my good friend and UK comedian, Carl Donnelly. My name is Justin Hamilton and I am officially post-COVID here on Big Squid. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, as some of you might be aware, that if you listen week to week, uh, I have had the past week and a half off. Uh, you might be across it, but anyway, I finally ended up getting COVID, and it was a it was a pain in the ass. That's what it was. Uh, I won't pretend that uh, it was. Uh, a terrible experience. Uh, I found out uh, on the previous Sunday that a friend had uh, tested positive for COVID. I did a rat test and it turned out to be negative, which seems to be a regular occurrence now. And uh, then uh, after I did the test, because it came up negative, I recorded a podcast with poor Ben Elwood. As you can probably guess, uh, by the end of that uh, next night, I was not feeling great. So I went and got a a proper test and that was the one that came back saying that I definitely had COVID. And then uh, I did pass it on to Ben. So isn't that fantastic, the poor guy? Uh, So he's been dealing with that as well. But uh, the main thing was, uh, the, the main thing that I've kind of noticed is that there's been a lot of long COVID mistakes where people feel better and they go out and they start getting exercise too early and they're the people that seem to be having issues with fatigue um, quite a few months after actually having COVID. So uh, essentially what happened was when I found out that I had COVID, I shut everything down. Uh, I cancelled uh, work that I was meant to be doing. I stopped the podcast. I stayed off 
social media uh, and and the screens in general. I just tried to stay away from computers and phones and the first couple of days I was pretty achy, a little bit sneezy, had a slightly sore throat. But the thing that I noticed for most of the week and even a few days after the official isolation period was I was just tired. I was really tired and it would kind of kick in at the weirdest moments or, you know, there'd just be these passing uh, hours where you'd be like, wait a minute, it was 10 a.m. Have I, have I been asleep? What just happened? It's now, it's now 2 p.m. I have no idea what I've actually just done in that time. I must have had like surprise naps left, right and center. So, uh, what I wanted to do was just be very smart because there was, uh, on day seven when I was allowed out, I felt pretty good actually. And it, I think I could have quite easily made the mistake of getting straight back into exercise and doing that kind of thing. But what I've done instead is I've taken it very slowly. Uh, I've just been slowly ramping up the exercise side of things and getting back to close to normal. And, uh, I'm back at the chase this week for this week and next week. So, uh, once again, I'm deliberately playing the long game because I want to make sure that I get right on top of this. But, uh, uh, I know a lot of you sent messages, uh, via Facebook and Twitter and Patreon. Uh, I'm sorry that I haven't uh, gotten to them yet, but that's part of the plan to get to those this week uh, and uh, thank you properly. So for any of you that reached out, it was very much appreciated, but uh, I just had to be incredibly sensible and make sure that I got on top of this. So, uh, But feeling pretty good today. So that feels like a win. And I have to say, so happy that I'm vaccinated because that would have been a much rougher experience without the vaccinations. So I'm sorry if you are not vaccinated and you find that offensive, but I'm speaking from experience and I am very grateful. Very, very grateful that I was vaccinated and had uh, a tricky time, but not the worst of times. Uh, So I'm, as I said, easing back into it here. Uh, so this will be the only podcast for the week. It's a really fun, delightful chat. I'll talk to you about Carl in a second, uh, but it's just uh, me getting back into the swing of things and, and just making sure that I'm on top of everything. And originally I was taking off last week to get on top of some other projects for the podcast, uh, and all of that is out the window as well. So I'm going to try and, uh, catch up the time that I lost, uh, over those uh, seven to ten days, and uh, hopefully we'll get there. That will be the uh, the main aim in the short term. We have another uh, beautiful tales for the disenchanted that I was really close to finishing, uh, which I will have to get back onto now. And uh, so we'll have another short story coming up, and uh, we have uh, a few space potters, and we have a few David Lynch's in our back pocket as well. Obviously, we have a lost highway episode and uh you uh might <laughs> it'll be interesting to 
listen back to that, to be honest, uh, to see where uh, my energy levels are at, because that was just as everything was kicking in. But it's a good chat, and uh, yeah, so they'll be coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, also, uh, just wanted to say the Squid Bits episodes, which were the shorter episodes about Severance, were a massive hit. You really seem to like those episodes a lot. And uh, I'd recently been talking to people on Patreon and uh, on the uh, private Facebook page about the idea of doing a newsletter and uh, it, it seemed to be 50-50. So a lot of people just sort of said that they'd probably sign up and they <laughs> wouldn't read it and it would just clog up their inbox. And I was like, no, oh, okay. That just kind of uh, bummed me out. I thought I don't want to be, you know, something that's annoying or any more annoying than I already am. So what I thought I might do is... Uh, since the Squid Bits on a Monday were such a big hit, uh, maybe we'll do a newsletter episode. And uh, essentially, it'll be an audio newsletter. And it will be nice and short. It will tell you what's coming up for the week or, you know, every two weeks. And what I'll do is also just uh, give you some recommendations of things that I'm watching or listening to or reading that I think you might like, but stuff that I don't necessarily want to go into or, I, you know, not every show actually lends itself to a, uh, you know, like a deep dive like Severance did. Like there's just some shows that are really fun, but you don't quite need to do a podcast about them. Like as an example, I'm really enjoying uh, Slow Horses on Apple TV with Gary Oldman. Like I'm really enjoying that, but I don't feel the need to do a podcast about it. But uh, I'd be quite happy to put it in a newsletter and give you some recommendations and things like that. So uh, keep an ear out for that. I reckon we might start that next week and uh, and also return to uh, the blogging the. Uh, uh, dispatches from the Fury Road blog, which you can also, if you're on Patreon, receive as a Patreon podcast. Uh, it's slightly different to the written one. It's, uh, think of the written blog as the uh, finished work and think of the podcast as the director's commentary uh, version of the blog. Uh, also, just before we get into it, for anyone in Adelaide, I will be at the Rhino Room on the 3rd of June. It'll be my first shows there in, I think it's like 18 months, 20 months, something like that. And for people who listen to the Big Squid podcast, you can get a cheaper ticket if you use the password HAMO, H-A-M-M-O. That is H-A-M-M-O. That will get you a Big Squid priced ticket. And I'm looking forward to uh, coming home and performing there and uh, seeing you. So if you're in Adelaide and you would like to come along, uh, please do so. Uh, right. I'm going to bring in the delightful Carl Donnelly. Uh, I'd met Carl a couple of times and then my wonderful friend Hannah Norris uh, started dating him. And uh, I've known Hannah since she was a youngster when she was working the door at the Rhino Room. Uh 20-ish years ago, and uh, I've always loved Hannah, and she's a remarkable actress, and she told me that she was dating Carl, and I was like, oh, he seems like a nice guy, and then I was going over to the UK, uh, I think this was in 2017, and 
Hannah said, oh, why don't you come and stay with us? And I, was, and I didn't know Carl that well, but uh, that was very nice of them. And Carl came and picked me up and Hannah was busy the first night that I was there. But Carl said, hey, do you want to go and see a play? So we went and saw the Sam Shepard play, Buried Child, with uh, Ed Harris and Amy Madigan. And we went and got something to eat. And I had such a delightful time with him. Uh, at half time, I was thinking, oh, I'm just so wrapped that Hannah is with this guy. He's such a great guy and she's great and they'll be great together. And I was, I was in such a good mood about it. And then uh, by the end of the night, I was completely selfish about it. And I was like, how good is this for me? This guy's fantastic. I love him. <laughs> I've got a new friend. Uh, and Carl is someone that I would definitely hang out with if I lived in the same city. Uh, he is a very funny comedian. Uh, he's a, a very thoughtful man. And he's a very gentle man. And it's, uh, it's, it's a real pleasure to catch up with him. And I thought, well, let's, uh, let's have him on the podcast, especially for anyone who lives in Sydney. Uh, you'll be able to see his show at the Enmore Theatre, which will be on the 28th, 29th, 30th of April at 7pm and it'll be at 6pm on the 1st of May. Uh, I'm going to, if I get out of the chase, I'm going to, if I get out of the chase on time, I should say, I'm going to try and get to the 7pm on the 30th of April, which is the Saturday show. So if you're thinking you might go along, that might be the one that uh, I attend if I can, if I can get out on time. Uh, I'd like to go to the one on Sunday, but I'm actually appearing as a guest on the dollop. So I think there will be, uh, unfortunately, some crossover there. But anyway, uh, if you know Carl, you will enjoy hearing him have this uh, nice laid back chat with me. And uh, if you're new to Carl, uh, then you're in for a treat. As I said, uh, a a very gentle and nice man. And uh, it was a nice way to ease back into podcasting. Okay, I'll come back and say goodbye to you after this, but let's bring in Carl. This is my first podcast back after being diagnosed with COVID, and you have also been a COVID brother. Yes, hello. Um, I I had COVID in December. December? Yes. Yep. We've just been talking about um, the immunity. Yeah, trying to work out. <laughs> well, yeah, because in the UK they say you're pretty good for six months. Yeah. Here they say three months. Yeah. So there's a discrepancy there. I'm currently on, what am I, on four months? Yeah. And, uh, and I've just managed to navigate the Melbourne Comedy Festival without getting it, while loads of people got it. So I think I must have some level of immunity. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to lean into uh, the sixth month because you pointed out something to me while we were getting ready that the UK has been a lot more relaxed about the COVID <laughs> situation and Australia's been really, what the fuck? Yes. I think, yeah, I felt like, you know, because you had the benefit of, you know, it was happening... You had time to sort of shut your borders and stuff. Yes. So whereas we didn't in the UK and Europe, so it sort of ripped through. Yeah. Before we really sort of had a chance to do anything, so I think we got used to it so quick because we never had it as like a we never managed to hold it off. Right. But I think because you did, I think everyone here got a lot more. Um, what's the word? Anxious about it. All. Yes. Whereas once it's happened, in like you know, you sort of have to just get used to it very quickly. So yeah. in the UK and Europe, it, we, everyone was just sort of. As much as everyone was 
doing their, their bit to avoid it, wearing pop your mask on and stuff, but there wasn't this. It wasn't hanging over our shoulders, right? Yeah, it was, it was staring us. In, it was yeah. on our face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, see, I knew uh, uh, my friend Georgia Mooney, who's a, a singer songwriter. She ended up uh, catching COVID just before she flew back from the UK, just every when everything was kicking yes. off. And in a weird way, that was kind of more terrifying because that was right at the start and she was wiped out and, yeah. you know, had so much, uh, uh, you know, she was learning about it as it was sort of happening. So it was almost kind of a little bit scarier to have one person, you know, yes. getting it. Whereas uh, it was weird. I just kind of knew, I, I felt like I wasn't feeling great. I was feeling a bit yeah, yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Did a rat test, negative. Uh, my dear friend uh, Ben Elwood was here. We recorded a podcast. Then uh, later that night, uh, a friend that I'd caught up with on the Sunday said to me, oh, I have COVID. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because uh, I just did a rat test and it was negative. So then got up on the, the next morning, thought I'm going to go to a proper clinic and I'm going to get there as soon as they open because it's going to be such a long line. Yeah, got yeah. there, nobody walked in, <laughs> tested. And later that afternoon, got uh, the positive yeah, result. Yeah. And, uh, but on my way home, I masked up, just bought so much for the fridge, so much for yeah. the pantry, got ready, hunkered down, had a couple of days of feeling, uh, you know, achy, like, yeah. you know, fluey kind of thing. Uh, but for the most part, uh, what the, the thing that I was most paranoid about was not actually COVID, but was jumping back into, uh, uh, normal life too soon yeah, because yeah, the yeah. long COVID thing is the thing that I've been the most fascinated yes. about, especially with friends who went, oh, after five days, I felt great and I started running again and then they're the ones who seem yeah. to be two months later. So. I've, I've got a weird one in that I was totally asymptomatic when I had it. Right. Like I, didn't have a, I, didn't, I didn't do a test because of symptoms. I did a test because uh, my wife, uh, who you know, yes. she had a work uh, Christmas party she had to attend. This was like the 10th of December. They tend to right. go in quite early. Right. Um, you know, get them out of the way pre-Christmas. And she was going to do a test and I hadn't done one in ages. And for some reason I thought, well, I should probably do one with you just in case. Imagine you test negative but I've got it. Right. Then, you know, it, it, you could go to a work party carrying it without even knowing. Yeah, yeah. So it was pure, just like responsible adult behaviour. <laughs> oh my God. We both did a test. I'm hers, sorry to hear that. Hers came back negative <laughs> and mine came back positive. Oh. And I was like, that's weird. Um, so I thought, I'll give it an hour, do another one. This is yeah. all a little rat test. Did another one an hour later, that was positive. And yeah. did another one an hour later, that was also positive. So now part of me is thinking, well, it can't be a dodgy batch because hers was saying negative. Right, yeah. So the next morning I'd booked in first thing for a PCR test, which came back positive. Right. And so I had to isolate for 10 days. In the UK at that point, she didn't have to isolate, but she did anyway, obviously. Right. They, like, we, we dropped that sort of close contact thing ages ago so in the uk really? as long as you're testing negative you're free to go right um but i had to do 10 days isolation but she ended up just going well it's too it's risky isn't it so she yeah. she isolated with me and uh, and our daughter obviously <laughs> our yeah. two-year-old wasn't nipping out to the shops <laughs> but um, dad needs some cigarettes can at, you head down there <laughs> and at no point in that 10 days did either she catch it or did i show any symptoms Right. It was so weird. And I tested positive. I, kept, I did every couple of days I'd do a rat test just, just to see if the line got fainter or when it disappeared. Right. I tested positive for 11 days. Really? And, even, and then I just I ran out of tests, I think. <laughs> right. 
but um, so like I don't know how long it was it would have shown up for but yeah I, but yeah I had zero not even a sniffle or anything like that and and Hannah never caught it right. even though we didn't change a single bit of behavior like there was none of this banished to another room or right because we got a kid so it's like there's we've got to just carry on as normal just in our house Mate. and uh, yeah hannah is we but we're convinced i know this sounds like everyone's like some people are like yeah i definitely had it early doors but right um when we were in australia march 2020 yeah we came here and in total we were here for like a, a week yeah before we had to basically flee to get back to the uk before all borders That's right. shut yeah and um Hannah had a cold uh, and she lost her sense of taste and smell at the time. I remember her saying. Oh. And then about three months later, they were saying that was one of the uh, first symptoms. early yeah. symptoms of yeah. COVID. So she might have had some like patient zero version that's right. given her sort of lifetime immunity or something. Right. The fact that she didn't, she, hadn't, she hasn't caught it. And she's been around so many people that have then tested positive in the last three months, four months. Yeah. Including me, who was literally sleeping one foot away from her. <laughs> yeah, for, and, for and didn't days. get it. Yeah, that's uh, that's fascinating. You know, the uh, a friend of mine, uh, Craig, he ended up uh, getting. He he felt like he had frostbite. Like he really? had such a bad reaction to it. Right, and he and his uh, partner both had it, and they've got you know uh, two very young children, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was hard work. And I and we both had it at the same time by chance, and I felt terrible not because I had COVID, but because I was. In isolation here with cupboards full of food, with a fridge full of food. And I, you know, I didn't do any work. I just thought I'm going to actually just let myself relax, have surprise naps. You know, one of those things where it's like, oh, I'm awake. I didn't even know I was asleep. And I just watched movies. And so the thing that I felt terrible about was like I had a pretty easy run of dealing with it. You know, I could be very selfish. I could just concentrate. So looking after children on top of it. I wonder if you were immune because you have a two-year-old, so therefore they're bringing in all sorts of germs, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it was just very strange. I think my, timing-wise, I my friend got it um, the week after me. Yeah. And he had, you know, he'd had two jabs and then his booster. Right. But he caught it like two days after his booster, so it probably hadn't kicked in yet. Yeah. So yeah. he was probably at the end of the second jab's sort of Cycle. usefulness, yeah. whatever it is. Um, whereas um, I couldn't get my first jab until quite late because we were here until last July. Right. And then I wasn't eligible to get it here because I hadn't got to my age yet. Right. And I, I'm, I, at that time, I wasn't registered on Medicare. Yeah. Um, and so we got back to the UK and like Hannah had already had two jabs here, I think. Right. And then we get back to the UK and I've not had a single jab. Everyone in the UK has now had their vaccination, everything. I'm like one of the only people who isn't an anti-vaxxer who hasn't had one. Vaxxer, yeah, right. Um, so I went out and got it like a week later. And, um, and then I got my second jab, you know, in like, I don't know, it was somewhere like late September or something, whenever it came around and I got the call. So I actually had only really had the second jab for, you know, two months. Yeah. Two and a half months. I was probably right still in the, the sweet spot of, yeah, if I got it, I was going to be fine. Right, right. It must, yeah, it's the only way, that's the only thing I can think of, or unless I've got some weird, you know, sort of, I don't know. I've, heard, I've heard you hear all sorts of mad theories, don't you? Some Every, people say it's blood type that right. actually if it, it, it dictates how you, what type of it you get or something, yeah. what sort of reaction. I don't know if that's all absolute horseshit. There's so many theories. Like, there's so many theories, and everyone is, everyone is correct. <laughs> 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 so I like I just kind of stuck to the this is what they told me to do. Yes. 
I'm just going to stick to that. Like I, I read all of that yeah. very closely yeah. uh, while I could kind of focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, one of the things I love about catching up with you is that we have similar tastes in things. And yeah. uh, e- even if we have a... Uh, a difference of opinion on something, it's always coming from an interesting angle. And one of the things that I noticed uh, that got me through the isolation was because I kept, you know, falling asleep and was a bit fuzzy, I found old movies were the best things to watch because they're they're less frenetic. Like there's less editing. So you can... You can marinate in a long scene where normally yeah. you'd think, wow, this scene's and taking ages. And when you say ages. old movies, you also mean ones you'd seen before? Or were you actually going for new? No, I was going for uh, movies that uh, I'd never seen before. Okay. Or movies that uh, it's been so long since I've seen yeah. them. Yes. You, you may as well say that this is, it's not your first time, but it feels yeah. new. So, uh, as an example, I watched um, The Maltese Falcon mm. with Humphrey Bogart. Bloody hell. Yeah, yeah, from 1941. Not, yes, good. And you know what it made me realise is that no matter how much technology improves and no, no matter how much better we are with music and more sophisticated with storytelling yeah. and camera angles and editing and makeup and all sorts of shit, the one thing that hasn't changed is you need a compelling actor. Yes. And Humphrey Bogart is so fucking compelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite funny that now there's, um, you know, it's almost like they're trying to remake that old feel. Have you seen the new West Side Story? Oh, no, I haven't. It's brilliant. Is I really, it? Yeah. Lo- I really loved it. But yeah. you can, when the moment it starts, you can tell that what Spielberg's done is try and take films back then. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, from everything, from how it's, li- like, the sort of the colour grading, the yeah. lighting, the sort of character. Yeah, the actual actors have a very... Um, old feel to them, yeah, and it's and it's, it's it, I watched it and I was like, oh, I'm loving this, yeah, but I think I was loving it because I was like, it felt so retro, right? And I think it's very well done how he's done that because obviously, you know, it is made now, it's made with modern technologies, but it was really nice to just watch a film that had that sort of warm wash of an old, yeah, 40s, 50s, 60s movie. I should have watched that actually. I uh, I think it's on the Disney Plus app. It is on the Disney Plus. App. Yeah, it's I I loved it. It's a very um. You know, in fact, there's got some new bits and stuff in there, but it is really just a remake. Yeah. Very, because obviously it's a, it's a well-known musical. You couldn't yeah. change it too much. You couldn't, like, what would be gross is that they tried to do, like, a modern version and it's suddenly the music's oh. all, like... Yeah, suddenly, <laughs> suddenly, suddenly the gangs are rapping. Yes. And you're like, be like, oh, oh God. No. So actually, what... The, <laughs> I mean, it feels... When I first heard they were doing it, I was like, that is unnecessary. Mm. You know, what's the point in just doing a remake? But then when you watch it, it's really well done and it's yeah the acting the choreography everything is perfect it's a yeah. beautiful film to watch yeah like, visually and um and yeah it was just it it genuinely felt like you're watching an old film yeah which is quite rare nowadays i think yeah yeah everything's so choppy you yes. know the, uh, the best movies i've seen uh this year have all been european or right. you know it's uh i'm so uh a lot of uh, American movies, uh, even even kind of blockbusters that I technically enjoy, yes, are so just kind of whatever in the way that they're directed and yes. the way the composition of a shot happens. Yeah. And it's uh, but that's, I suppose this is where we'd probably have some. And we've discussed it in the past, I think. But you know, my I'm not mad about 
Marvel films, etc. Yeah. Like you know, I could, I, I will absolutely watch one. Yeah. On a plane, I will watch one. If like just if I've got if I'm in a hotel room, yeah. gigging, and I've got a couple of days on my own, you know, because obviously I, I can't watch as many films as I used to. But I mean, I hardly watch any films now. Yeah. Having a toddler, but um, it's. Yeah, I, I I can watch those films, but at no point will I ever fully love them. And it is because of that start, that sort of modern tendency for them to be so choppy. There's almost too many characters. It's like yeah. they're, they're, it's it's like it's like trawler fishing of film yeah. making, isn't it? Where we just got to put so much on the screen yeah. for everyone's attention span or something. That yeah. I I always feel like there's a it's a huge thing lost. And now it's really nice when you watch a modern film that's simple. Right, and just small, and there's only a few characters. You can actually get to know every individual oh, yeah. well. Oh, they all have character arcs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, or that just one. Thing. I want one protagonist. That's yeah. all I want. I don't want 35 protagonists that I've got to go off and watch their film. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the thing I struggle with. I like, it's I like too much just, homework. I like one film where I just get to know one person. We see their story, and then I never see them again. And right. We can move on with our lives. Yeah, you know the. Uh, it, it's interesting the. Uh, you know, I had a like the last Spider-Man movie that came out, which you know you reunited the previous actors who played Spider-Man. Yeah. And the the first time I watched it, I was kind of down on it, and then uh, the second time I watched it, I was a bit like, ah, I think maybe I've been a bit harsh. This is actually okay. a fun film, and then I really settled into an in-between okay, space yeah, yeah, yeah. with it because it was like there's these kind of momentous moments that yes. happen in the film, but they're momentous because. It's oh shit, that's Toby Maguire. Yes, but it's not momentous because you're sitting there going, "I've never seen anything like that before." And it's, it's not a momentous piece of filmmaking. No, it's, it's like a, it's a momentous piece of nostalgia. Yes, that's it. And it's like, oh, you've done a CGI hole to somewhere else, and it's a guy walking out of a fucking alley. <laughs> like, what, what's what's exciting about that? And it, it's been a very hard thing to articulate because, especially. Uh, you know, listeners of this podcast like that that film a lot and, you know, I don't want to shit on it, yeah. you know, and I don't want to shit on someone's experience, but I can't also lie and say, you know, this isn't working for me. Yes. But then then what happened was uh, the new Michelle Yeoh film, Everything Everywhere All at Once came out. I've, I've been told about this a lot. Jesus, Carl, it's fucking amazing. Oh, yeah, maybe I will try and watch it in the it, next few days like while I've got a few days on with without a toddler. It's absolutely 100% worth your time yeah. because as a creative there are moments in that film which are so crazy, right. like genuinely crazy. Okay. They put every kind of one of these Marvel movies to shame. Right, okay. Because there are moments where I was sitting in the audience and people, and there's been a few people who have listened to me bang on about it who have now <laughs> watched it and written, you know, uh, I, I haven't been on Facebook properly, but I saw a nice little thread going where uh, there are just moments in the film where you are laughing so hard because someone has pitched that idea. Hey, we should do this. Yeah. And nobody has said... That's ridiculous. <laughs> They've just gone, yeah, let's do it. And and you'll be sitting there laughing your ass off. And then suddenly that same scene is one of the most poignant things you've right. seen in a movie in the last few years. Okay. And then while you're feeling a little bit welled up with emotion, it transfers to another scene that is just as over the top as the last yeah, one. Yeah, and yeah. you're going, what is happening here? Okay. And it's it was the most... Remember when you used to go to the cinema and see comedies? Yes. Like actual 
comedies and you would be in that kind of state of euphoria with the audience of laughing so yeah, yeah, hard yeah, yeah. at everything that you were seeing. That's what it was like. Oh, amazing. The s- audience was on the ride. Right. And, it, and also just this crazy, crazy movie with this high concept. And the lead actor is a 59-year-old Malaysian woman. And it's got Jamie Lee Curtis, who's 63. Yeah. And it's got fucking Short Round, who is <laughs> hilarious and in one kind of role. And then he's kind of crazy suave and handsome in another role and and this storyline that's just all over the place okay. and it is a joy yeah but that's what I've that's what I've found like at the cinema like I used to love going to see films where it felt like a and you know everyone was going through the same thing at the same time yeah you know I used to I, I used to love watching horror in the cinema right because you know People that go to watch horror in the cinema like horror. Yeah, you know people who because most most people horror is one of the ones where people either really like it or don't like it yeah. as a genre. You very yeah. rarely people be like, oh, I'm not really into horror, but I went to watch a horror film in the cinema. Yeah. That'd be insane. <laughs> yeah. So if you go to watch a horror in the cinema, I don't and I haven't been to the cinema for ages just because yeah. COVID and a, and a baby. But you know the thing about horror in the cinema is everyone is there because they love horror and people who love horror actually like being scared. Yes. So you're all getting scared at the same time which is a very unique emotion to share with people. Yeah. And it, the best experience I've ever had has been that. But when I find whenever I find I go to watch a big Marvel blockbuster or something in the cinema I don't know it feels like it's a mixer of people that want to go see the new big blockbuster. Yeah. You get a handful of people that are really into the you know, if they've probably the done the reading, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And they, they, I think there's a lot of people enjoying it on different levels. And some people just because it's quite a visual spectacle. Yeah. So I don't think it has the the unity of, a, yeah. Of, of, yeah, when you go to watch something that means something to you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but I, was, I was having this conversation weirdly about three days ago with somebody talking about our favourite ever cinematic experiences. Oh, yeah. And I've got a couple that are actually shit films <laughs> but right. have been great cinema experiences such as one of them was the American remake of The Ring right do you remember that? and it's a brilliant film the original yeah you know one of the best I'd say one of the best modern horrors and I say modern it's now probably 25, <laughs> 25 years, years old years, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know it's not a classic horror film like it's not your 70s sort of slasher Halloween type yeah that era of the golden age of horror I'd say um, this you know would have been the that late nineties into early two thousands where suddenly we started getting horror from Japan and yeah. Korea and that started appearing and they sort of revolutionised the modern horror era. Yeah. But yeah, I, I remember when I'd seen The Ring, I thought it was incredible. When I heard there was an American remake, I was like, this is going to be crap. Yeah. It's basically just for dumb Americans who can't read subtitles. That's, yeah. that's what I thought. <laughs> but it was on, and me and my ex-wife were like, oh, let's go and see it, it'll be fun. I went to the cinema, it was packed on a Friday night, which was great as well. Right. A full, big cinema for a horror film. And yeah, it, within 10 minutes of leaving the cinema, I was like, that was rubbish. Yeah. But for that 90, an hour and 40 <laughs> minutes, whatever it was, I went for every single moment. Like the cinema was reacting so big, like probably <gasps> yeah, like, yeah. to the scary bits. It was, and it was actually an amazing group experience. Great. And the other one was equally, I don't, it's not a sort of film I, I, I'm I'm willing to congratulate, but it's right. um, the paranormal activity. Oh the yeah, first paranormal activity. Because yeah. what it, that did essentially was ruin modern horror. That was the moment right. when it all became jump scares rather yes. than actual sinister f- yeah. feelings. But um, that was one of the best 
experience I've ever had in a cinema. Right. Like it was a roller coaster ride of like, yeah, ah, ah, the tension when you know something's about to happen. Yeah, and it was just absolutely even like I'm, I'm talking. People were grabbing the person next to them and they didn't even know. Right, it must have been what it was like to watch The Exorcist back in the day. Right, you know, it was actually really fun. And actually, I did go and watch the first ever. Um, re-release of The Exorcist after it came out from being banned it'd been banned for 20 years the oh first, in the UK yeah the first yeah. screening of it after it was after the ban was lifted was at the NFT on South Bank and I went to watch that screening with a with a foreword and an interview with William Friedkin oh wow. hosted by Mark Kermode it was one of the oh. best nights I've, I've ever spent in the cinema oh my lord I was like 16 I don't actually know how I got in wow <laughs> but, <laughs> that's great yeah. you know uh, the I saw The Exorcist at the cinema with a friend and uh, one of the creepiest things that I've ever experienced in a cinema was <laughs> he's a lapsed Catholic Ooh. and so there was a point where I don't know what was being said on the screen but it was something that was a deep Catholic cut yeah and I'm watching it going, oh, God, this is weird. And next minute I could hear almost like in stereo next to me and it was my friend and he had just he just started repeating it oh, as it was gosh. being said. Like, <laughs> and, then he, and, then, and then I heard him kind of go, oh, like oh it, God. it creeped him out. I think that's why that gets feel Because my parents are Catholic yeah. and I was raised Catholic and, you know, I, I sort of lapsed in the sense of, you know, I, I, I still I'm fond of a lot of it, but I don't really... Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm also fond of other religions, and I've sort of spread out, and I've taken my bit from the ones that I like, and yeah. be like, oh, that's what I'm into. But, um, but yeah, I've, I've, that film always has a very profound effect on me, and it's got to be something about that the amount of hours I spent in church yeah. from the age of zero to fourteen or something. Right. Well, it's it's a slow burn as well, yeah. and it feels. Uh, I know some people can't kind of complain that it's. Um, like really slow, but the thing is, is that they, because it takes its time. You yes. know those characters, you understand the situation. The beginning of it all being a bit weird yeah, is yeah, yeah. really normal. Like her coming downstairs and wetting herself yep. is just kind of so blasé yeah, yeah, that yeah. it doesn't really do much to. Uh, freak you out so then by the yes. time everything ramps up and then suddenly when she's you know fully possessed and doing his dead mother's voice you are fucking losing your mind yeah but i do think it's also it's a it's a weird watch for someone who's not or maybe has grown up just watching modern horrors where yeah you know that every the modern horrors i think have a very distinct style yeah and format that I'm not madly into. Not and when I say modern horrors, that sounds like all of them. I, I'm talking about this like that. You know, there was that after the sort of paranormal activity re-sparked this whole yeah. almost new horror cinema releases. There was um, I've forgotten the name of the guy. The guy who did like the uh, oh, what's it called? Sinister and oh, although yeah. there's yeah. a, there's a there's a wave of films that came yeah. that were original modern horrors. Is that when? Uh, yes, it yeah. is. Yes, yeah, yeah. and uh, and they all do this thing where the first half is really good and yeah. creepy and builds to this like what is happening in this yeah. house, and then but the moment you see the thing that's happening, it becomes very literal and suddenly it's all just a monster that you keep right. seeing running around the house and it's all very. I don't know, it's, it shows you too much. So yeah. if you've grown up on that sort of horror and then you watch something like The Exorcist, you're going to think, oh, it's fucking rubbish. Right. <laughs> you're, not seeing a, yeah. you're not seeing the demon, are you? Yeah, yeah. It's like you're not meant to see the demon. The demon's in the girl. And actually, it's all an allegory anyway for loads of other things. And, yeah. You know, it's, I think there's that, um, 
yeah, the da- the the downside to the fact that we live in an age where now you can watch a billion films that have ever been made. Right. It's it's harder now to do a sort of slow burn horror film where you don't actually really find out what's happening or you don't see what it is, you yeah. know. Even like some of the good ones. Have you seen Midsummer? Uh oh yeah. 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 So I thought the first half of that or first two thirds was brilliant. And yeah. It was sinister, it was horrible, it was creeping yeah. me out. Oh no, sorry, I've seen Hereditary. Oh yes. Hereditary, exactly the same format. Right. I thought it was great until the last thirty minutes. Right. Where it just suddenly goes from sinister, creepy yeah. f- issue about a family. Yeah. And then it's demons. Yeah. <laughs> well you know, like it's funny that you say that. I was relieved at the last half hour of Hereditary <laughs> because I lived by myself and I was yes. starting to get to a point uh, halfway through that film. How am I going to justify inviting someone to stay over as since I am <laughs> ostensibly a grown-up? <laughs> <laughs> and then the last bit was so over the top. Yeah, it was like, it totally is. oh, great. All right, That's this it. is good. And I find that with a lot of modern horrors. It's just, it's almost like you, you wish that you'd stopped watching or something before right. half an hour from the end. Yeah. And because you'd be like, bloody, it's a great film, but I've never watched the end. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the, the end always for me sort of ruins it nowadays because and it sounds like an old man shouting at the clouds or something. Yeah, but, scary clouds. Yeah. <laughs> but I just want a film to, I, I, I haven't watched a modern horror for a long time that the credits roll and you're like, you're still really scared. It's almost uh, like a relief. It has to let you go and yes. relieve the tension. It's like, no, leave that with me. Yeah. Yeah. Have me kind of leaving the room, a bit freaked out. I rewatched. Uh, I don't even think this is considered a classic, but uh, but the reason you reminded me of it is uh, I rewatched Angel Heart. Oh yeah, I love that film. That's a movie that ends on a. I don't know how. Like I saw that at the cinema, and that ends on a point where, like, even even the end credits are just watching him go down in an elevator. Yeah. That, that's how it finishes, with that really creepy music. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, because I, I, I rewatched that, I reckon, about seven or eight years ago the last time. Yeah. And I forgot how great it is. Yeah. It's one of the films where you're just like, oh, I forgot how good Rick, Mickey Rourke was. Oh, I thought so exactly cool. the same and, thing. and obviously, seeing De Niro do something like that as well, it's really cool when yes. he's doing something a bit, Different to just being Robert De Niro yeah. <laughs> in every other film. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great film. You, you know, is. the thing that I had completely forgot about Mickey Rourke is, apart from he was so handsome, but uh, one of the great listeners. Like, you know, act- actors are, you know, like people can be really good actors, but yes. it's very rare that you watch someone and you can, like, you can tell that they're completely in the moment yeah, listening. Yeah, like, yeah, they're, yeah. they're brilliant when they're not talking. He's probably done some Meisner Right, yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? Meisner's yeah. the whole technique of Meisner is listening yeah. and reacting rather yeah. than acting, and then acting. From and the he little is... small amount of acting. Yeah. I did one Meisner workshop. What it was one? <laughs> I did one. Yeah, because yeah, I'm, I'm not an actor <laughs> at all. But like, my wife is an actor. She's a very good trained actor. And oh, so some of my listeners uh, might have uh, seen her when we uh, did the play Goodbye Ruby Tuesday. Yes, um, Hannah Norris. Hannah Norris. She's a very talented actor. Yeah, um, but. She since when when we got together what seven years ago, I've I'd never even con- contemplated acting as a thing that I could do. I've always been right. so scared of it, yeah, and jealous almost of it. Like yeah. I think it's such a skill that people don't think is hard if you don't know anything about it. Yeah, do you know what I mean people would watch. Yeah, you know, obviously people know there's great actors, whatever, but I don't think they realise that. Yeah, just memorise your lines and the, wait for the other person the, to stop yeah, talking. And the drop off from somebody who's like. Uh, 
a trained actor yeah and just some like as a comedian you'll know that like, sometimes comedians get given acting roles and they cannot do they the job no, no. so like i so i and i did a few little bits of acting yeah and i just i was like i don't i'm not good enough i just don't i need to learn how to do this so i just right. went and did a few little acting classes and the meisner one was my favorite hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST one right because it is very you know you have to it is almost like therapy it's all about truth and emotional yeah being willing to receive what somebody's telling you and just right. listen to it and just totally take it in rather than wait for your line to come back yeah and it was i found it quite um exciting yeah some of the people on the course couldn't do it they really almost had this mental block of of allowing themselves to do it, right? It was, it was amazing. It really what's What's the main uh, skill? Like, is there is there a, a particular thing that you need to latch on to to kind of open yourself up to be listening Not to really. someone? I or? think you've just got to be something you've just got to lean into. Yeah. If you're like, I, there was one guy I did one of the what do you call like a games? I suppose you'd say it's not, a good, but you know where we have to stand opposite each other and almost just describe each other like say what you see when you look at them right and and then they say something about you and it can be you, you obviously don't get horrible but just to actually break somebody down to their individual physical yeah. components is quite bearing i think <laughs> yeah. and this one guy i did it with couldn't do it like he kept trying to break the tension okay? right. and, the, and the idea was to keep it totally serious and honest and right. take whatever they say with grace and then reply and and he just he just kept trying to break the tension and make a joke, right. which is weird because I'm I'm a stand up comedian. <laughs> yeah. so, but I actually felt that really I, I felt it exhilarating. Right. So whereas I was getting really into it and feeling like we were, we were getting somewhere, yeah. He just kept corpsing and not being able to do it and sort right. of breaking attention, looking at everyone else who was watching and right. almost looking for their validation. Yeah. Whereas I was just like straight up in the eyes, <laughs> let's yeah. do this. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to go. Like, yeah, <laughs> I loved it. If you were to have a, a role in a TV show or in a movie, uh, what what would be... I'm not saying what your skill level is, but yeah. what would you aspire to be? Oh, I don't know. It's... um. You know, I think it would be. I wouldn't. It wouldn't be comedy. I don't think I'm a, I'd be a very good comic actor. Right. You know, because my comic, my stand-up is very just me, just talking on stage. I don't think like, like if I was if I was quite a bigger, like larger than life on stage character or something, I might think I'd be able to do more comedy acting. Right. But I think it would be quite a. I'd love to. I'd love to do something serious. Yeah. You know, I really like people like Stephen Graham. Do you know Stephen oh, yeah, Graham? Yeah. Like, he's a proper just English 
actor you, who, if you walk past him in the street, you wouldn't give him a second look almost. He's yeah. one of them proper, just old, old school, like, c- character actors, I think. Yeah. That that sort of, you know, your Philip Seymour Hoffman's and that. Obviously, right. towards the end of his career, he was massive. But, you know, that, that thing where you just, where you'd watch him just be great. Yeah. But very understated and just real and realistic. I'd love that level of acting ability and role. Yeah. Something where it's not the main event. Yeah. But it's one of the side of side characters that you're like, but that leaves a, a lasting impression on you. You know, uh, I feel exactly the same way. I feel exactly <laughs> the same way about being the the tasty offsider. That, mm. you know, like that you you kind of almost want to be it's almost like like I'd be happy to be the Ringo star. I totally, 100%. And, you know, and uh, there would be the people who go, yeah, like, I know you all love, you know, George, Paul and John, but, you know, Ringo's really underrated and (laughs) he's he's my guy. And I, so, you know, I've been watching uh, Slow Horses, which is the UK TV show. It's it's based on a a run of books. Yeah. And it's uh, MI5. And this is these are all the agents that are fucked up. And is it been written s- by Will Smith? Uh, I think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's an ex stand up comedian. Oh, I, is I he really? I gigged him when I started out. He was brilliant. And then he went on to like write and do stuff with the thick of it. Oh right. And then he's become a TV writer. And I th- I think somebody told me that that's his show. Oh. And they also said it was really good. Well. It's really funny, yeah. and that makes sense. And then Gary Oldman plays the guy who's in charge of right. the, all the all the rejected agents. Yes, and he is a fucking grump. He's farting. He's burping. <laughs> he's really rude to everyone. Yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah. he's like he's he's good at his job. Yes, and uh, I I was just watching it, going, oh, it'd be so good to be the guy that play the character that's the whipping boy of Gary yes. Oldman's character, like where you get to play. You get to have shreds torn off you, but yeah. you also get to play uh, play out to it. Like, what what I do wrong? You know, yeah, all yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. That would be fun, I think. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, I would never want to be the main event. Yeah. Or you know, I'd like to be Andy Garcia on The Untouchables. You know, you, when oh, like yeah, you saw yeah. The Untouchables, it's like, wow. This Kevin Costner guy is great. And fuck, how good is De Niro? And Sean Connery's never been better. But those of us who were in the know went, what's going on with this Andy Garcia? Yes. I watched that again, actually, just before Christmas, I think. I might, I might have even watched that during my COVID. We, we, on the podcast, we did, a, uh, we did a watch-along. We did a few episodes of where I did a director's commentary. Yeah. And then we all got together on a Saturday night all over <laughs> Australia and some people overseas. And we watched them. We had a thread going on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. We watched the movie together. It's like... And uh, the Untouchables was one of the ones that I That's pitched, gr- and they it was a it was a big hit. It's, it, that would be in my like top tier of list of films that I are, are a go to. Yeah, do you know what you said you wanted you you watched old films when you had COVID. Yeah. Like if I'm ill or if I'm on a train or a plane, I'm hungover or something. Something means that I want to watch something. Yeah, but I've not got much mental capacity. Right. That, like I always have a list of old films that almost feel like a comfort blanket, right? And it would be the first two Godfathers, yep. Untouchables is up there, yeah. Let me think. This, I, come I just to went think. and saw the Godfather 50th anniversary oh. at the cinema, and you know what that movie is? Still as good as ever. Oh, totally. <laughs> just to shock you in case it's you're not the expecting best it. Film like it, I've, it's got to be. That's in my top three, hands down. Like it, I watch it once a year, I'd say. Yeah. 
and just not a second of it ever gets any worse. You or... know, you know how when you have watched a film so many times, and then there's a moment where there, there's a new moment that you focus on for this particular viewing. There's yeah, yeah. one thing that stands out to you, even though you've seen it before. This is the moment that you've latched onto, and uh, for me. This time it was the moment after poor Enzo the Baker has been sent out the front to look oh, yeah. like a toughy, and uh, after the you know the guys who have come to kill Vito have driven off, and he's trying to light the cigarette, and he his hands are shaking too much, and Pacino takes the uh, lighter, lights his cigarette, and in the shot uh, Enzo's in the foreground, Pacino's in the background actually. But if you watch, Pacino's looking at his hands and he is amazed at how steady his hands right, are yeah. and how fine he is. Yes. And it's kind of almost like... The moment he realises he's got it. Like he's got it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and there's, there's no attention drawn to it. Yeah. And you're just watching it going, fuck, this is a yes. masterpiece. <laughs> oh, here's a Futura. Just, that's reminding me of a film I watched on the flight over here in, uh, a few weeks, what, a month ago now, um, that actually takes us back to that thing of a film they've tried to make look older than it is and I don't think worked. Have you seen The Many Saints of Newark? Is it Many Saints of Newark? Yes, I have. Right. And thoughts? I was just <laughs> a bit <laughs> bummed out. Yeah. I, was, I, did, I, didn't, I, don't, I didn't really like it. I was and really, I love Sopranos. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I think, you know, they, they've spent a lot of time on the detail of making it look... Like yeah. a seventies drama, yeah. but I think they lost a lot in the. I don't know. It, it weirdly felt like it should have been a, a six-part series. Yeah, I would have preferred that. I reckon. You know, like we kind of needed longer with the characters, yeah. and uh, and I, I know exactly what you mean because it kind of it it's like it's like getting a meal yes. that looks exactly like what you've ordered and what you've been looking forward to, and then at the end of it you're trying to talk yourself into the meal being better yeah, than it actually yeah, was. Yeah. Well, I just, yeah, <laughs> I just, I really liked some of the cast. Yeah. I thought the, I'm um, no spoiler alerts, but I, um, the Ray Liotta being, playing two roles, I thought was really weird. I, I thought, thought that it was, was a bad decision. Too. Yes. I thought that the idea of having an origin story that never actually really gets to the origin, you know, it's, yeah. sort of, it's almost like it shows you one seed of origin. Yeah. But you, that, that, they, they, there's so much between that and Tony Soprano, isn't yeah. there? That I was like, it's too. You've gone too far back. Yeah. You give us a bit of childhood, and then maybe move into once he started in the yeah. in the business. You know yeah. what I mean? I just thought it was a really weird decision for that period. Yeah. And I get it. It was sort of the foundation of the that his family becoming what they are. But I just thought there was a lot of bad decisions in it. You, you know, I wasn't into. Uh, I thought the the son, uh, James Gandolfini's son, was. Fantastic. I just would yeah, have yeah, given yeah. him more to do. To- absolutely. That was the main problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wasn't into the framing sequence of Christopher doing the montage, like doing the voiceover oh, from yeah, the yeah, dead. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like... I hated it. Oh, I'm sorry, but I that's... forgot about that. You just reminded me that I'd blocked that out of my mind. <laughs> yeah. I, like, as soon as yes. that came up, it was like, because I was in. I was like, let's do this. I yeah, am ready yeah, to yeah, go yeah, back yeah. to this, you know... Uh, you know, if you're talking about going back to a franchise, yeah, I really enjoyed El Camino, the the Breaking Bad movie. Okay, I've not, I've actually not watched it. So it's it's really fun, and and part of what I really enjoyed about it is, you know, a couple of the actors are a little bit rounded these yeah, days. Yeah, 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 and yeah. you know what? It's fine. Who gives a right. shit? It's acting. You've made a good movie. I don't. You know what? I know the actors in real life are 
have enjoyed some meals. Yes. Like, who gives a shit? You haven't you haven't tried to de-age <laughs> them. You haven't tried to do anything. I know how acting works. I'm just going to sit down and enjoy it. And I thought that was great. And then I... So, I was all in for this. And then the, the voiceover, like, all the voices in the in the cemetery and then it rests on christopher hey, this is my uncle he's gonna kill me i'm like, like oh, what oh, like th- God. it was so much better when young tony's just holding christopher like that was yes. as a baby like, well, that would that would have been a nicer moment wouldn't it if you'd not heard his voice already like that yes. when they said oh this is your this is your nephew yes because then been you like, get oh, to say, oh my lord yeah, yeah. this doesn't end well yeah, I you know. know but yeah there was like it was, that's what yeah it just felt i don't know like, yeah i felt like it was um it was a bummer, wasn't it? Was badly it? thought out. It's such a bummer when you're really looking forward to something and it just doesn't yeah. quite get there. But that's that's what I mean. Like I, the, the 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 best run I had this year of movies. When I, mean, I saw all three of these movies in a week, I saw Drive My Car, right. which is a three-hour Japanese movie about depression. Yeah, and uh, I heard it's very good, and it was phenomenal. <laughs> and I I went to the cinema, and you know it was. Like the movie's really quiet, yeah. And seeing it in a cinema, you know how you were talking about that cinematic experience, because it's really quiet. Everyone, like you feel the the lack of noise pushing against yeah, your ribs, yeah, and everyone's yeah. sitting there, like you know, like I could hear someone eating popcorn all the way through it, and it was <laughs> normally that would really annoy me, but it kind of. You know, spoke to me of how quiet the rest yes. of the cinema was, and I could hear someone three seats away crunching popcorn. Um, so I saw that, and then I saw Parallel Mothers, which is the new Pedro Almodovar film, yeah. which I thought was beautiful. And then I saw The Worst Person in the World, which uh, I yeah. thought was a masterpiece. Right. And I saw all of them in within like eight oh, days nice, of each other. A, yeah, I've just I need to. I've not seen any of those. I'm aware of them all. Yeah, but I just haven't been. Had, I just haven't had the chance to watch a new film for yeah. bloody ages. But I've just got round to watching. And again, this is I've, I've watched these um, because during the Melbourne Comedy Festival, I um, was staying with my in-laws, and they're like a thirty-minute train to the mm. city. And I just thought once once my show was up and running, I knew it, and I wasn't having to sit there and think about my show. Yeah, I was like, actually, why don't I use that? Th- that's a thirty minute there, thirty minute back. It's an hour I've got a day. Yeah, where I'm sitting on a train, yeah. rather than just what scroll online or you know, I'd, I'd either listen to a podcast or I'd watch something. But obviously, I wouldn't want to watch a chunk of a film. I could, I would allow myself to watch a chunk of a show. Right. So the two that I had friends recommend to me over the last year, probably the most. Um, was Squid Game and The Mandalorian, weirdly. Oh, right, right. And, uh, and I'd never watched any of them. Yeah. Because, yeah, again, I just haven't had the chance. So over the course of the month, I watched both yeah. of those. And I, th- and I didn't think I'd be that into The Mandalorian because I've, you know, I was ne- I, my age is that perfect thing where I'm, I'm too young for the original Star Wars. Yeah. But by the time the sort of the the next batch came out, I was old enough to be like, "This is a bit naff." Yeah, you know what I mean. So I just don't have that love of Star yeah. Wars as a concept. So whenever I watch the films, I think, "Oh, these are a bit of fun." Yeah. I don't have that magic feeling. Yeah, but I, I thought I really loved the Mandal- Mandalorian. I thought it was really fun right. because it's a bit of a western and a bit of a fun like laugh. Yeah. So I really got into that weirdly, even though I've got mates who are Star Wars fans who hated it. Yeah, because they were like, it's sort of they didn't feel it was it was true enough to the, what they love. Yeah. So which is a franchise that is perennially not that good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's what I think that's what it is. Cause I've got none of that. Um, like, like the strike rate of the Star Wars, Star Wars movies is 
pretty much. You're right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's like a like it's like a baseball player. Well, yeah, <laughs> you'd have to say like, and yeah, and also I think if if you're objective and you're not somebody who grew up, imagine I can imagine what it was like to be bloody. 10 when Star Wars came oh, out yeah, oh yeah. my I god saw, I saw Star Wars when it first came yeah, out at the that, cinema, and that, is, that and would have been like six or magical something. right yeah but I think if you're someone like me who didn't have that experience yeah. then I just I, I, if I watch the Star Wars films I'm like oh these are good fun yeah but you know I can't I, it's hard to put myself in that context of what it would have been like yeah so when I watch them I, I think there is I do see flaws as well as anything right so I've never you know I think they're all fine but I watched The Mandalorian so with a totally objective slate of yeah. like this might be alright sometimes I like a bit of sci-fi sometimes yeah. I don't and I just thought it was really good value yeah <laughs> I saw a photo of Baby Yoda and um, I know it's got the proper name but you know yeah the first time i saw him i saw a photo of him on social media and i was like Ugh, yeah fuck this that's exactly what i thought when it was this. doing the rounds i was like oh, oh come on. mate like this you know what i am out yeah i am out <laughs> and then i got the disney plus and i was like well i might as well just and, and then I was also like, why don't you just use Boba Fett? Like, why are you using someone that looks like... Anyway, whatever. You know what? I'll just watch... How long's the first episode? Uh, half an hour. Fuck that. I can do half an hour. Anyway, that puppet stole my heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was really into yeah, it because yeah. it's also... It's not just the Western aspect of it. It's Lone Wolf and Cub yeah, as yeah, well, yeah, isn't yeah. it? You know, it's kind of... And a, I just think that idea of not seeing his face is a lovely little touch. Uh, and that's sort of first time you do see it. Because I didn't, I didn't look on IMDb to see who it was or any of that stuff. Right. Yeah. I actually let it be a surprise. Yeah. And part of me would have been quite happy if they never showed you. I probably I, would have. I probably might have when I finished the second season. I might have looked him up. But I, I was really excited when he took his mask off. I was like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a really fun yeah. moment for myself. I wish they hadn't taken the mask off as well. I wish like, they hadn't. Yeah. There would have been something quite cool about that. But I, yeah. yeah, I think at some point, I think using that as a moment in that yeah. final episode is a really yeah. good moment. And you, saw, and you see, suddenly, you see how fragile he is. And yeah. You're like, oh, it's just a guy, isn't it? Yeah. It's not a fucking spaceman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And that puppet is fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, it's, um, like it's, it's just cute. I like him stealing the little ball from him. Yes. On his, like, all of it. It's like, you know, like I have genuine... Uh, you know, like when things are happening, it's like, do not hurt that puppet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Squid Game, I also was another one that everyone was going on about. Right. And I was like, oh, God, another thing I've got to watch. Or yeah, I'm out yeah. of the loop. And um, I really, really loved it. See, I, see, I, uh, I watched the first 20 minutes of the first episode and I just knew I wasn't in the mood for it. Yeah, so yeah, I haven't yeah. gone back to it. No, I didn't think it was bad. Yeah. I just wasn't in the mood for it. Right. And uh, it's one of the things that I get better at as I get older yeah, is recognising, yeah. oh, I think I'm not in the right headspace to enjoy this. Yes. Oh, yeah, I know. I was chatting to the Canadian comedian, John Hastings, and he was saying he, it, when everyone was watching it, he was going through a bit of a rough time. Right. And he was like, I just know I shouldn't probably watch this right now. Yeah. Because it's just so, it is bleak as shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's really bleak. You know, it's not a, but I've, yeah, I've just, I thought it was, I, I thought it was excellent. Yeah. And, um, yes. What's, what are you doing with your uh, new show? Where are you at with stand-up now? Has, uh, has things evolved uh, style-wise or angles that you're coming at it from since Not I last saw you? massively, I don't think. You know, I'm still um, 
Like, I'm not talking about having a... I, I mentioned that I've got a child, but as yet, yeah. I've not done any dad material. Oh, you haven't done anything about, like, what's going on with the nappy? Yeah, not <laughs> at all. And cause I think partly because as yet, I'm, I don't know, I find... The funniest stuff is when you find things that slightly annoy you, isn't it? Or things that you can observe being a bit silly and annoying. But as yet, I've not found anything. Right. I actually, I'm just very happy being a father. Yeah. <laughs> and she's really cool and funny and cute. Yeah. So as yet, I've not found... And that's a, that's my least favourite style of comedy is people moaning about their situation. Like, you know, I don't mind people moaning about the world or moaning right. about things that we all get annoyed about, traffic, whatever. You know, I think you can do observational stuff about those annoyances. Yeah. And I watch that and find it very funny, even if it's stuff that I wouldn't really think of doing myself or something. But I just find that style, that old style of comedy of like moaning about your wife or moaning about yeah. your kids. Yeah. And part of you, like, you know, I, I've, I, I can under, I can see the if it's a good joke, it's a good joke, and I can laugh. But part of me always thinks like I like comedy that is real and true or right. surreal. I think the two yeah. things. But what I don't like is that stuff when part of me thinks I bet they're actually quite happily married and they like their kids yeah. but they're just pretending because they think that's what people want to hear right because if it's true I'd rather if, if they genuinely hate their wife and children that much you should leave them you should leave yeah part yeah. of me thinks you know what the kids will be better off if you're not in that toxic relationship yeah. Yeah. so I start thinking about their family set up yeah. and I'm like you've put me in a bad headspace now man just with your joke about how annoying your wife is yeah. I'm now worried about what, ev- what else is going on at home so yeah so I know I think at the minute I've, my style hasn't really changed and that it's still tends to be stories you know stories about what's going on in the world yeah but sort of told through a personal lens yeah with little observations off the side so it's quite fun you know like i sort of my the the big end 20 minutes story of my show is actually a story about shower gel right but it it actually is in the context (laughs) of a shower of, of a present i got given just before covid started and then it's a shower. It's a set of shower gels right. that I ended up u- working my way through during COVID. Yep. And it ends up being quite a big story. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's about ha- the things we did to pass the time in the last couple of years. But actually, when you actually break it down, it is an observational routine about shower gels. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I, I've always. That's what I like to do. I like to do something that's very mundane. Yeah. But somehow, at some point, it, you realise it's actually sort of a, a, a commentary on what's happened in the world. It's so exciting that it's like a, uh, you know, as you said, something that technically comes from the mundane side of the world and you got a, a nice 20 minutes out of it. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's it's when it first started, it was a like a two-minute observational bit about yeah. a specific shower gel I got given. And then I built it and built it into the actual story of using it and yeah. the, the sort of nine months where I worked my way through all these different flower uh, shower gel fragrances and right because somebody gave us a, f- a gift set of five different flavors right and that became like a hobby of working my way through it yeah so yeah it, when i first <laughs> did it i just did an observation about one of them and then suddenly that really worked and i went oh, actually i'll put a bit more detail in right and that really worked and it ended up just growing and growing until now i'm telling a 20 minute story about shower gels <laughs> and good night <laughs> yeah that's what it's like it's the last 20 minutes of the show and uh and then i just wrap up on a little thought and then yeah. end. It's not. It's it's my least themed show I think I've ever done. Oh yeah. There's no rhyme nor reason to it. I walk on, start talking, and then get, and then it's almost like goodbye. Yeah. So there's no the audience don't have to do any emotional legwork in the show whatsoever. Right. 
Yeah. That's uh, was that a deliberate choice, or was that something of just the way the material kind of evolved? It, it, uh, do you know what? It is a conscious choice um, because some I have done some shows in the past that have been quite personal, and I've talked about some quite serious things. Yeah. And I don't want. I, I'm at a minute. I don't want to do one of them. And this sounds really sort of almost cynical, but it's not for that reason. But. I know I've got one on the horizon. Right. Like, in the sense of both my parents uh, currently have terminal diseases. Oh, no. I know, it's horrible. But it's been going on for, like, a few couple of years. Right. But, you know, it is, you know, the next couple of years, I think, will be rocky. And you know, I think we're going to have, you know, sort of my mum's got dementia. And it's only really started to get problematic this last six months. Right. And my dad's got a thing called COPD, where his lungs are basically slowly giving up. Oh, no. So like, it is, they're, they're very long-winded things. But are they I, still together? They are, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and they're no. just about function, living independently together, but with care. So there's sort of right. carers that go in to help out with dinners and stuff like that. So I got all that in place before I came out here. Because before that, I was doing a lot of it myself, right. and my aunt was doing. So it was quite a tricky situation, and I've got some. So I've got this care company that are helping, and uh, you know, I know over the next year or so, there's going to be some bad turns of events. Uh, like, oh, yeah. So it's that thing of in my head, I'm like, well, I'm probably going to end up doing a show about something to do with that. Yeah. When it when it when finally the the dust settles and it's all done. So I was like, for the time being, while I've got a window where. Why don't I just talk about fucking shower, shower gels? gels. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's horrible, isn't it? But no, I know what I'm like. Sense. I will happen, you know. I've sort of I've seen so many comedians do the dead parent shows and things right. like that. So it's but it's it, it's it, also hard because if you want to like, I don't know. I, I I have such a weird relationship to stand up these days. Uh, not not that I think my relationship is correct or my stance on it is correct, but I just didn't quite realise. I feel very much like I have a very different outlook on stand-up to uh, a lot of my friends and yeah, my contemporaries, yeah. main, mainly my contemporaries. And, uh, you know, I kind of got into stand-up because it was a way to express yourself creatively. That yeah, was, yeah, yeah. you know, and you wanted to make a living from it, like yes. without a doubt. But, um, you know, I, I, I find that... Um, <laughs> I find I, I feel like my generation of stand-up comedians have kind of hit a very boring level, and that's this is completely unfair. This is not saying that <laughs> anyone else is. I'm not saying I'm correct. I'm just yeah, saying yeah. I think I think this is such a small country. I think there is uh, my my generation like some of my peers are some of the most successful comedians that this yeah, country's yeah. ever produced and when you're successful in this country that means you mix with other people who are successful yeah and i think once you mix with other people who are successful it means that you become less satirical because you yeah. can't really go for it because you've actually had that person give you a lift after a footy game well, yeah. or you've had someone and be also really you are nice. further removed from real life yeah you know, i know i know i've got mates in the uk of in the last decade have become like arena selling comedians you yeah. know who just their life is not the same as their audience anymore they're not yeah. they're not getting a train they're not getting, yeah know, yeah they're not sort of they, they are very very protected from the world yeah so i do think especially satire is a good example it's almost impossible to do satire if you're one of the one percent you know what i mean right. suddenly you've it's yeah unless it, you could do it in an interesting way but i've never seen it done you know imagine seeing an arena selling comedian ten thousand people in the room imagine him telling you what it's like to be in the in crowd you know what i mean yeah. one of the bloody being invited to 
uber celebrity parties and you know the only yeah. person i've ever seen do it even remotely was russell brand when he first got super famous right he went from being like i remember seeing his i was i hadn't started stand-up yet i don't think but i remember seeing him do a little show 50 people in a room yeah you know he was doing this show about getting off heroin yeah and it was a it was a brilliant hour of stand-up it was one of the best hour long sort of hour shows i've ever seen right and then he, he, within a year, he got so famous. He yeah. suddenly was all over British television and became this super celebrity. Like he was yeah. all over the newspapers because he was obviously became famous for shagging around and yeah. And suddenly he went from this <laughs> fifty-seater basement room yeah to being a superstar yeah. And that next show he did, I went to watch it thinking, oh, it's going to be just a bit shit and wanky yeah. now. And he was actually talking about that thing of suddenly being invited to orgies and like. All these things that the tr- that that you know fame brought him, he really lent into it and talked about what it's like to suddenly be a superstar. Right. But very honestly and very interestingly, and I was like, oh, that's what I want to see more of from every all these other because yeah. it's quite hard for comedians who make their name being like moaning about car salesmen and whatever. You know, just talking right. about general day to day life that people have, and then they become multi multi millionaires yeah. living in a gated mansion, and they're still out talking about. How annoying it is, you know, when you're yeah. on the bus or something. You're like, hang on a set, mate. You've yeah. got on a bus in five years. Yeah. So I feel, yeah, I've, I've, I often find it's a real death knell of somebody's comedy when they get super successful. Yeah. Well, <laughs> which sounds like me justifying my <laughs> consistent cult status <laughs> <laughs> and low selling at festivals. <laughs> at least I'm legitimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Justin Hamilton, he's almost sold out small rooms throughout the world. But no, but it's just a preference thing as yeah, well, yeah. you know. And uh, it's funny, The uh, I just did a run of shows at the Comedy Store. Yeah. And uh, the thing that I'd forgotten that I really enjoy is the process. And it's the process. And well, yes. what reminded me of it was you saying i had a two minute thing about shower gels and i just kept adding to it and yeah, adding a little yeah. bit more detail and uh, because i've been incapable of thinking about anything else in the world other than the fact that it feels like this is the year where the cheese has slipped off the cracker collectively <laughs> you know and yeah, yeah. uh uh you know that it just kind of kept building over the uh, the process, kept building over yes. the course of each night. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, it'd actually be quite nice to do yeah. another show and uh, and and put it together. Like yeah, it's the putting yeah, together yeah, yeah. that I have missed. Would well, you remember last time I stayed with you a few years ago? Mm. Do you remember that there was that thing I told you an idea I had the first day? It was about and it was like a weird, exaggerated thing about I can't remember what it was. It was about people throwing things at politicians. Oh yeah, yeah. And and people online go, like when people were laughing about it, if somebody yeah. throws a tomato at a politician. Yeah, I think it was somebody threw a milkshake on a, a British politician. British poli- yeah, called Nigel Farage, and everyone was laughing about it online. And there was this weird wave of people going, "Well, what if it was a knife?" Right. And and I sort of and I mean I think I told you about this idea I had, like how funny would it be to sort of build up yeah. this long almost shaggy dog story, and what if it was a uh, yeah, and then it? sort of subvert it. And I mentioned it to you, and then over the course of like four nights at the comedy store here. Yeah. It worked up into be like a three or four minute bit. Yeah. I was really happy with it, and it was such a funny thing that it was that I love that that thing when you think of an idea. Yeah, you might even say it to somebody. Like, I've got this idea, and they're like, "Yeah, that could be really funny." Yeah, and then it suddenly grows and becomes a living, uh, the, yeah, this kind breathing of, thing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and having. Um 
having someone that you can bounce off as well. Yes. You know, throwing throwing it out there and yeah, uh, yeah. that that's part of the what's kind of a, a little bit lost with, yeah, with yeah, it yeah. for me anyway. Because a lot of a lot of people now that I perform with are either uh much younger, you yeah. know, so they're on they're at different stages and you know, they've got different outlooks which is uh neither here nor there it's just it is what it is kind of thing and then uh there is that uh you know (laughs) a lot of the people my age are either so busy yeah they're like they've got to do the gig and they've got to go like they're gone they don't have time to to just discuss anything or sometimes the people that can hang around are the um Man, they're hard work. <laughs> <laughs> they're really hard work. And yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, this is really bumming me out. <laughs> um, I should uh, let you go because you have to go to uh, Parramatta tonight. Do. Are you doing a gala? Yes. There's yeah. a, there's, there, basically, this is the week where there's loads of like Sydney Comedy Festival yeah. galas. So tonight I'm in Parramatta. Tomorrow night, I think I'm in Chatsworth. Right. Is that, is that a place? Sounds like it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think, yeah. And then, um, so they're galas. Chatswood? Chatswood. That's yeah. the one, not Chatsworth. Uh, and then, I think I'm at the Comedy Store on Thursday. Oh, great. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm doing my show in the studio at the Enmore Theatre. Oh, great. And then, uh, and also doing the Comedy Store as well. So I'll be doing oh, my show and then, and then going dashing to the over to the store. Yeah, great. Which is a nice way to do it, I think. Yeah. Because you do an hour and it's sort of, you know, people don't really know me here. It'll probably be a relatively small audience. Yeah. But I get to have a fun little hour with them. Yeah. And then come off and then go into a short spot in a big comedy club. Yeah. Have a bit of a ripper and then a beer relax yeah so it's a nice i like that order of doing things yeah that's good it's weird to go from a big comedy club that's full doing a short spot where you just do your gold yeah and then having to go and do an hour of like (laughs) you know a relatively new show in front of a smaller audience yeah you don't want to warm up the day by doing a 2020 (laughs) cricket match and then going playing a full test um the uh, what time are you at the Enmore? I think I'm at seven p.m. Friday and Saturday, and, and six, 6 p.m. PM on, on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, which is a lot. I think six p.m. is a lovely time for a solo show on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, because this year in Melbourne, I was on at nine p.m., no, which I felt hard. it's too late, isn't it, mate? I was one year. Well, it depends. It depends on. It literally depends on the year. Yes. So I did nine forty-five in uh, the Vic Hotel one year. Yeah, and it was brilliant weather. Everyone who was on before me stuck to time. Yeah. Invariably, I was on by 9.50 at the latest, and it was great. Yeah. And I sold the most tickets I'd ever sold yeah. at a comedy festival. And the next year, I was 9.45 in exactly the same <laughs> venue, and it was cold. Uh. It was dark by, like, 5.30, yeah. and there was some arsehole on at 6 p.m. who constantly, constantly went over. Uh. And if you go over... By three, four minutes at 6 p.m., somehow, over the course of the night, you accumulate time. And I was getting on at like 10, oh, 5 past 10. And you'd so walk late. out to an audience that's like, it's been dark for like five hours. I'm yeah. like, hey, I don't want to be here. They're already thinking about their journey home. Yes. They're like, oh, I'm going to miss that train. You know, one of those nights where you're sitting backstage and you're going, fuck, they should let the people in. I can't believe there's no one in yet. And then you look in and it's sold out and nobody's talking. And you're like, (laughs) oh, no. That's the you you can And people don't realise, you can tell from behind the curtain. You can. How that show is going to be. Yeah. You can also tell from a round of applause when they welcome you to the stage, obviously. I had a couple this year (laughs) in in Melbourne where... 
I'd get to the venue and I'd, I'd never ask how many are in until I'd get to the venue. Yeah. And I'd get there and it'd be like, you know, there'd be night. Nice, it was only, it wasn't a big room or anything, but it'd be nice where it's like, oh, you're sold out tonight. And I'd be like, yeah. oh, lovely. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. And then I'd be backstage and yeah, the, just the level of chat pre show wasn't what you'd think a sold out room yeah. should sound like. And do, you, do you play your house music just a bit too loud to make them kind of talk uh, over um, it? I, it's normally, yes. Yeah. Um, and then and then I'd literally welcome, like, I'd, I'd do my own announcement, welcome yeah. to the stage, Carl Donnelly. And just the round of applause was as if like, as if I'd interrupted their conversation. <laughs> so I'd walk out and I'd be like, how you doing? And there was just like a, a real lethargy. And it was always on like a Wednesday yeah, yeah. or like a Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Tuesday, whatever. Yeah. And it was just like. Definitely a Wednesday. And it was fine. Once you get up and running, you get them in yeah. vested. Yeah, but that you first great 15 show, minutes part, is hard wants to say to them at the top, like, hang on, you paid to come and see me. You sort your shit yeah. out. No, I shouldn't have to do all the hard work. You've got to have invest- if you've invested money in something, how have you not invested some energy or emotion to just, it? Just, 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 a, <laughs> just a little bit of enthusiasm will be fine. Yeah. I don't need that much. Whereas the opposite, I think that my favourite show of the whole run was my quietest show of the whole run this year. Right. Um, there was, I think there was something like 23 people in. Which right. actually, if, I mean, that's, you know, that that's... That's still enough people to do a show to. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah, absolutely. But it was, um, it was like a. I think it was a Thursday. Out of the blue, it was just really dead. Yeah. And I got there, and they said, "How many?" And bear in mind, because I'm only doing a. It was only a sixty seater. So yeah. sixty nine seats. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a big room, but um, but when I, I got there, they were like, "Yeah." I said to them, "How many?" And, she, and th- th- there was like th- that. There was people having much tougher runs. You know what yeah. I mean? So they were like, oh, "You got twenty four today," and I was like, "Oh, that's all right. That would do." You know, yeah. be a, as long as they're nice. But in my head, I was like, oh, it's going to be a little bit sticky. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to really bit bring the energy. Yeah. And um, I went out and they were pound for pound, like the best audience members Great. I had over the whole run. Like if there were 70 of them in on a yeah. sold out night, it would have been an absolute ripper. Yeah. Like they, for 24 of them, the noise they created. Yeah was like better than most of the sold out nights. Yeah. So it was it was bizarre. You can never really and like even when I announced myself on I could just hear this big yeah. ah, they were so happy to be there. Yeah. And it was like I oh, just they they got me through what could have been a tougher night. Right. Whereas sometimes yeah there's a full room and you're like fucking come on people give me like, something. Like really? Like what 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 yeah. what's happened? Like And it can be something totally simple like one of the nights though it was like a Wednesday it was sold out and it was just really sticky you know there was not much energy in the room it was a weird vibe and it had just been absolutely pissing it down raining all day right and they'd probably been kept outside queuing outside yeah. the town hall yeah you know they'd probably been in the rain yeah they're a bit annoyed about the process of getting into the venue yeah you know what i mean it's, i reckon it was just that thing of what they were happy once i started and they were enjoying it and they yeah. were laughing i'm taking acting like they were dead silent they weren't yeah. they were laughing but there just wasn't the energy of a full little yeah. room and they're probably just, you know, they're just a bit damp and yeah. a bit run down from, <laughs> yeah. you know, a, a tough hour or something beforehand. <laughs> so it's that thing of, you know, I, I'm not judging them too harshly. And I, I didn't say anything to them. No. And at the end, they gave me a big massive round of applause and they obviously enjoyed it. Yeah. But I just don't think they physically had the energy to give me what you want as a comic you want yeah you want you want them to love you yeah <laughs> is it that much to ask yeah, i'm yeah. going to give you heaps just love me in the in return yeah 
Uh, well, okay, I'll uh, let you go. I could talk to you for ages. So good Cheers, uh, to see you. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I've, I did sign up to TikTok, but I still I'm terrified of it. Uh, it's just all at Carl Donnelly, uh, all of right. them, I think. Yeah. C-A-R-L-D-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y. And I've got a podcast called TVI. That's all yep. you've got to search. And it's basically me. It's it's, te- it's called Two Vegan Idiots, but we yep. just abbreviate it. Yep. And it's me and a comedian called Julian Dean. It was very funny. Like it tends to be, I tend to lead the conversation. Yeah, he just interjects with things that <laughs> no one should say out loud. Right, great. And so yeah, it's very, it's very fun, and we get some good guests and stuff on there as well. Yeah, great. You know what? I'm a bit like that with TikTok. I signed up to TikTok years ago and have Ooh, never gone back. And I, I just, you know what? I'm, I, you know, there's a moment in your life where you decide. I know all the music that I like and I, and I don't really need to keep up to date with yeah, the new yeah, totally. stuff coming out and that's how I feel about TikTok. It makes feels like it's rotting your brain when you're looking at it. You know, I want to read books. I want to, I want to watch slow Humphrey Bogart yeah. movies and I'm not going to be able to get that on TikTok. Thanks, Carl. Cheers, mate. Thank you to Carl Donnelly for being my guest today. Remember, you can see him at the Enmore on the 28th, 29th and 30th of April at 7pm and on the 1st of May at 6pm. And his shows are usually good fun, very funny. And who doesn't want to hear 20 minutes on Shower Girls? I know I do. So uh, I am keen to check that out. As I said, I'm going to try and get to the Saturday show if I get out of the chase on time. But, um, you know, you never want to make too many promises because you never know what could go wrong in a studio. But that is my aim. Uh, Don't forget, uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, the, the best way to support it is to either leave a nice review at Apple Podcasts. That's the way to... Uh, kind of uh, the more top reviews you have uh, that uh, encourages other people to find the podcast. So if you would like to leave a top review, that would be great, either at uh, Apple Podcasts or maybe on Spotify. Uh, And if you would like some uh, bonus material and bonus podcasts, scripts and things like that, you can uh, find me on Patreon as well, patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton underscore Big Squid, and there is a tier that will suit you. Uh, since uh, my love affair with Carl started when we were at the Sam Shepherd play, and uh, that was a good run, by the way. When I went and saw the, uh, all those plays, I saw I saw that play. I saw the original Flea Bag. Uh, I went and saw that with Hannah, and I saw the David Bowie play Lazarus twice with Michael C. Hall, and I really loved that as well, as you <laughs> would not be surprised. And then I went to Paris, and I had uh, a little holiday with Richard Feidler. Ah, holidays. That was my last holiday. That was in 2017. I should really have a holiday. Anyway, uh, I thought we could, since, uh, as I was saying, uh, I met uh, or got to hang out with Carl Uh, when we saw Ed Harris perform, the wonderful Ed Harris. So I thought we'd finish with a quote from the great actor. And I've had this quote for a while, but uh, this felt like the right time to use it. You can't betray yourself too often or you become somebody else. I genuinely love that uh, quote. It's very simple and it says a lot. Uh, It's nice to be back. I hope you're well. I hope you are COVID-free. And, uh,
Thank you very much for listening. Until then. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.